It starts as a simple misunderstanding between two people aboard an airplane. Calm turns into chaos and escalates beyond anyone's control. Or you're driving down the freeway in your usual mild-mannered way when some cowboy in a pickup truck cuts you off. Suddenly road rage gets the best of you. Anger management is big business today. It spawned a hit Hollywood movie starring Jack Nicholson and Adam Sandler. A course in anger management is even mandated by U.S. courts in some cases. Long before therapists ever diagnosed certain anger disorders, Jesus linked anger with murder in the heart. But I tell you, he said, that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. That which begins in the heart can only be overcome through a change of heart. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, the pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for tuning in. Anger is like that. It begins in our hearts and, if not kept in check, can lead to angry words, angry actions, or both. To help us overcome this deadly sin, Ron takes us to the words of Jesus as he continues his series, Undefeated, Overcoming the Deadly Sins That Drag You Down. Stay with us or stop by somethinggoodradio.org where you can hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, Defeating Anger. Now, somebody once described bitterness toward another person as like drinking a bottle of poison and expecting it to hurt somebody else. How foolish that is and how, how damaging it is. The person who is eaten up with bitterness uh, has this, this root system deep down in their heart that has uh, tangled up their emotions. The writer of Hebrews says, pursue peace with all people lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this, many become defiled. I've, I've noticed uh, over the years some of the biggest troublemakers in any organization, whether it's a business or nonprofit organization or even a church, some of the biggest troublemakers are those who, who, who hold deep grudges down inside of them toward another person. And, and, and you don't see it. You don't see it. It's an insidious form of anger, but then it pops out one day. Or, or the person just uses their bitterness and anger to, to bring uh, negativity to the entire system. Another face of anger, malice. The malicious person is so angry that he or she is full of evil intent and plots revenge. Cain acted maliciously toward his brother Abel. Joseph's brothers plotted their evil actions against him and maliciously threw him into the pit and then later sold him into Egyptian slavery. Sarah uh, acted maliciously toward Hagar and her son Ishmael and banished them from Abraham's household. Romans 12 and verse nine says, beloved, never avenge yourselves but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. I will repay. And finally, that, that list back in Ephesians and Colossians mentions something about angry words. Jesus talked about angry words, and 
Paul in his letter to the Ephesians and Colossians did too. Not angry birds, that's the game we play, right? No, angry words. Among the many faces of anger are sins of the tongue that include evil speaking, blasphemy, and filthy language. Uh, People sometimes use swear words when they don't know how to express their anger well. I remember years ago, um, the uh, 60 Minutes correspondent Andy Rooney uh, did a piece on this, and he talked about how you know, people don't use the English language very well, and when they get upset about something, ah, they just swear, they just cuss. You know, and his encouragement was, learn to use the ang- English language better and to express even your anger better than that. Some even blaspheme the name of our Lord by letting loose an OMG, which is like fingers on a, chalk- a chalkboard to me. We get angry and it's an, oh my, and we blaspheme the Lord, or even something worse than that. Proverbs 10 and verse 18 says, he who hides hatred has lying lips and whoever spreads slander is a fool. Some people hide their hatred by calling you a liar when they're the ones that are lying. It's a a political tool used today. Accuse your opponent of the very thing that you're doing. Proverbs says, they hide behind their lying lips and they hide uh, their hatred behind those lips. The many faces of anger. Thomas Jefferson worked out a way to control his anger in his rules of living. He wrote, when angry, count to 10 before you speak. When very angry, 100. That's not bad if you're into behavior modification. Jesus was more about modifying the heart and getting to the heart of the matter. Later, humorous Mark Twain revised Jefferson's words to say, when angry, count four. When very angry, swear. All right, that puts a smile on our face, right? That's, that's what the, the comedians do. But uh, Jefferson's advice is probably better, and uh, Jesus' words are even better than that. Well, so much for the many faces of anger and getting us kind of all on the edge of our seats. All that I just said does enough to maybe bring conviction, hopefully, to every one of our hearts, at least enough to say, Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart. Is there any anger, wrath, clamor, bitterness, malice resident in my heart? It may not lead to an actual act of homicide, but that alarm bell needs to go off in our hearts long before that act ever takes place. Anger, unrighteous anger in the heart is murder, Jesus says, and can certainly lead to that. What are some ways to defeat anger? Let's go back to the Sermon on the Mount. Let's go back to the words of Jesus. And the first thing he says is to pursue reconciliation. Matthew 5, verse 23, he says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Interesting words from Jesus here. Uh, he, He elevates reconciliation to its proper place. Now, Jesus not only gets to the heart of the matter, and he's focused on internals before he gets to externals, but he puts first things first here. And the first thing he wants us to do when we, we have angry disputes that create um, divisions, 
and unreconciled relationships, he says, pursue reconciliation, even before you come to church on Sunday. He says, before you put that gift at the altar and bring that gift to the altar, and when the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance that you're at odds with somebody else, leave your gift, go get right with that person, then come back. Now, John Stott, a great theologian, summarizes it this way. He says, if you were in church in the middle of a service of worship and you suddenly remember that your brother has a grievance against you, leave church at once and put it right. Do not wait until the service has ended. Seek out your brother and ask his forgiveness. First go, then come. First go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your worship to God. What strong words those are. But they summarize what Jesus said very well. Problem is, I wonder, would it empty out the church? Because if we're honest with ourselves, you know, we have unreconciled uh, relationships. God's highest priority, friends, other than his own glory, is reconciliation. He is in the reconciliation business. The New Testament says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He did not need to be reconciled to us. We needed to be reconciled to him, and he took the first move. He took the first step in sending his son, Jesus Christ. And then the Bible goes on to say, he has then given to us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's the business that we're in. But why is it, and I'm just going to talk inside the church right now, why is it that the world looks at us and says, don't tell us about reconciling racial relations or whatever it is. You can't even get your own relationships reconciled in the church. There are too many fractured and broken relationships. And as a matter of first priority, we need to reconcile those relationships. In fact, it's Don't even come to church, Jesus says. Don't even bring your your gift to the altar until you come having made every attempt to reconcile. Uh, This idea that uh, there are irreconcilable differences, come on. Not for the believer in Jesus Christ. For more than a generation now, it's been possible for you to divorce your mate, husband or wife, based upon irreconcilable differences. What a lie from the pit of hell. Do not ever come to my office and say, Pastor, we have irreconcilable differences. My wife and I who have done marriage counseling over the years, we ne- we, the first thing we say is, we are for your marriage. I know you're angry with each other right now. You think you have irreconcilable differences. But if you are a child of God, there is no such thing as irreconcilable differences. Aren't you glad the Lord God of heaven and earth didn't look down on earth and said there are irreconcilable differences? I'm done with these people. Reconciliation is always God's highest priority. Racial reconciliation. We have a moment right now in our country, and it's a moment that the church needs to seize. The conversation needs to be in the church house, not just the state house. The gospel solution needs to apply. Dr. Rod Jones will be right back with the second half of today's message, Defeating Anger. 
Stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to find out more about the ministry. Ask our ministry team to pray for you or order selected resources from our online store. Here's something else for you. Today, Ron wants to bless you with a great resource that goes along with a series we aired earlier this year, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. He's written two beautifully designed editions that cover the Old and New Testament, and both volumes can be yours today for your gift of $50 or more. That's volumes one and two of Ron's book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. For more information or to make a donation online, visit somethinggoodradio.org. Give over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. Now let's get you back to the rest of today's message, Defeating Anger. Here once again is Dr. Ron Jones. I know reconciliation requires two parties. It may have taken two people to get to the angry dispute that you're in right now, but it, but it certainly takes two to reconcile. That's why I love Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You can only do what you can do, but you've got to do your part. It may not be possible to reconcile, because it takes two to reconcile. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, but not every person who lives and dies on this earth is, goes into eternity reconciled to God. Why? Because the other party has to respond by faith. God's done his part, and he will pursue you till the day you breathe your last breath. But you gotta do your part to come to faith in Christ. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Secondly, after pursuing reconciliation, we resolve our anger quickly. Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 5, verse 25, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last Penny. Now, Jesus is not giving us advice on how to solve legal disputes. He's using the court system as an illustration of how important it is to resolve your angry disputes quickly. In legal terms, you know, most personal injury claims are solved um, out of court, and that's probably best for both parties. Jesus says, because if not, uh, uh, your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge guard uh, to the guard and you be put in prison and, and you won't get out until you have paid the last penalty. Again, he's not talking about legal disputes necessarily, but the very practical relational disputes we have amongst ourselves. What he's saying really is that unresolved anger leads to an emotional prison. If you don't resolve it quickly, you're going to be in this emotional prison for a very long time. Likewise, unresolved anger will cost you big time. You, you, you may want to harbor that bitterness and that grudge and just rehearse it over and over again and 
plot maliciously about ways to get back at that person, a jab here or a jab there, but it'll cost you. It'll cost you something of your, your, your emotional and spiritual health. It's not healthy to nurse things like that. I, I've seen people's physical health even deteriorate because emotionally they just, they just hang on. They let that root system continue to grow beneath the surface of their lives until it just chokes them emotionally and spiritually. That's why the Apostle Paul said to the Ephesians chapter 4, be angry and do not sin. We already talked about that, right? There's a way to express righteous anger. There's a time and a place for that. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. Love the imagery there. Don't, don't put your head on the pillow at night not having done all that is possible by you. As far as it depends on you to reconcile the angry dispute. Why? Because Paul adds, and give no opportunity to the devil. You delay the resolution of an angry dispute, uh, you, you just kind of wink and nod at that growing orge, that anger in your heart, and you have cracked open a door for the devil, and all he needs is a crack. He'll stick his foot in that door, and he will waste no time creating mayhem in your life and in the world around you. Resolve it quickly. Some of you right now have people you, you, you need to resolve with, or you, you, you still have some that depends on you. You need to sprint from this place and do whatever you can to resolve that for your own spiritual health and your own emotional health. Thirdly and finally, and this brings us full circle to last week's message, clothe yourself with patience. Last time we went to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12 and we talked about clothing ourselves with humility because the heavenly virtue that corresponds to the vicious vice of pride is humility. The heavenly virtue that corresponds to the vicious vice of anger is patience. Colossians 3 and verse 12, therefore is God's chosen people holy and dearly beloved Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Remember, P Peter says, supply your faith with virtue. And here, here's a good list right here. Uh, Paul says, clothe yourself. Last week, we pictured walking into your closet at home, and just as you uh, pick up a a hanger with some clothes and you clothe yourself physically. Use, use that opportunity to say, Lord, I need you today to clothe me with patience. It may be patience in, in, in my commute to the office such that, you know, just somebody cutting me off doesn't set my day off or patience with my children or my grandchildren or patience with my spouse or whatever it might be or patience with those who are caught up in rioting and not knowing how to express their emotions. Uh, we, we need a godly patience. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the world was clothed with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience? I'll just say it again. It doesn't happen through behavior modification. It doesn't happen with a conversation at the state house where we just say, we can all do better and here's a new piece of legislation. A law never changes the human heart. 
This is evidence of that. This is a sin problem, not a skin problem. It's a character problem, not a color of the skin problem. And we have to address it with real solutions. Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. The Pharisees were good at just cleaning up the outside long enough until the next, you know, political cycle came along. Now, this is a seminal moment in our nation. It may be a moment in your marriage. It may be a moment in your family and your relationships. A moment to defeat anger, to understand the difference between righteous and unrighteous anger, but to defeat that unrighteous anger that rears its head, that keeps dragging you down and others around you down. And to ask for the grace of God, to ask for the power of the Holy Spirit in partnership with us to to purify us and sanctify us and and to add virtue to our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're trying to live an undefeated life, all right? This is the end of week two. Let's just check the box and say we're two and oh. We've defeated pride. We know how to defeat anger. We all have some homework to do, right? We'll go on to lust and laziness, gluttony, envy, and greed. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who's the undefeated one, who makes us more than conquerors through him who loved us, and ask God to help us to live an undefeated life. Thanks so much for being with us for today's Something Good radio message, Defeating Anger. Ron, you've offered some great insight as to how, with the Lord's help, we can overcome the anger in ourselves. You also briefly mentioned how we can overcome the anger in others. With all that's going on right now in this country, let's talk a little more about that second one. Sure thing, Brian. Let me begin by simply saying this. We overcome the anger around us the same way we overcome any sort of evil around us, and that's with good. To overcome a vice, you introduce a virtue. To overcome pride, you demonstrate humility. To overcome hate, you offer love. To put out a fire, and anger can be a fire, well, you don't fight it with fire because all that does is create more fire. Instead, you fight it with water. And the best water you'll find is the living water, who is Jesus Christ. Now, whoever said fight fire with fire misled an awful lot of people. What we're seeing at this moment in our country, well, Brian, it breaks my heart. It grieves me more than words can express. And it grieves the heart of God as well. Uh, Not only will it do no good, it will, and in fact already has, done untold amounts of harm. It has created more fire. A change in public policy will do no good, not really. Our only recourse is a change of heart. And that's why we as believers in Jesus Christ have a great opportunity right now to fight fire with water, to overcome evil with good, to get out of the weeds and into the word, and in doing so, find the strength to be kind and gracious and loving in hopes of leading as many people as we can to salvation in Jesus. Let's not merely shun the darkness, Let's get out there and shine the light. Great final thoughts as usual, Ron. Thanks so much for that insight into the problem of anger and our best hope for overcoming it. 
Well, Ron, what can you tell us about tomorrow's message as you move ahead in your teaching series, Undefeated, Overcoming the Deadly Sins That Drag You Down? Well, Brian, next on the list of deadly sins is number three, and that's lust. Now, this is a big one, especially for men, but it applies to women as well. Now, it's true, lust is not limited to sexual desire. It can also be the lust for power or material wealth. Any unhealthy desire can quickly become the deadly sin of lust. But the primary focus of the message and the kind of lust Jesus talks about in his Sermon on the Mount is sexual lust. Now, some would argue that Jesus gave us a command that is unattainable. Was it? I'll answer that question over the next couple of days, and I'll offer two or three ways we can overcome and defeat the deadly sin of lust. That's Monday when Ron continues his series, Undefeated, Overcoming the Deadly Sins That Drag You Down. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.